Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Good morning. All right, glad you're here with us today. Glad those are watching online or joining us as well. Uh, We are continuing this series called Kings and Prophets, and today the heroes of the story are neither kings nor prophets, but that's okay because they're important people. Now, as we're going through the Bible, we're going from Genesis to Revelation, and we're reading all these different stories, and I got to admit I enjoy it because I come across stories that even I don't recognize. How many of you know who Jehoiada and Jehoshaba are in this story? Okay, so you're like me. If you read it, you just passed right over those names, and you just said, okay, there are people, and you went right on because they weren't a king and they weren't a prophet. But we're going to look at them today because they're the heroes of the story. There are two people that showed courage and strength in the midst of fear and evil. There are two people who changed the course of a whole nation. So let me give you a little background. Uh, you're just joining us today. We've been going through the nation of Israel, and, and basically this nation was supposed to be dedicated to God. He rescued them out of slavery, and, and what he asked of them was that they would follow him all the days of their life. And they did it for a while, and then they didn't. They did it for a while, and they didn't. And then a couple hundred years in, they split, and they become two nations, Israel and Judah. Now, Judah tends to follow God a little bit more than Israel does, I think partially because the temple is in Judah, but also because I think the the kings do a better job. So we're looking at the part of Judah today, and we're looking at uh, these kings that did well for a while was Asa and Jehoshaphat. They had two good kings in a row, Asa and Jehoshaphat, and then they had two bad kings in a row, Jehoram and Azariah. Let's see, Azariah, uh, yeah, Azariah. So you got these two uh, bad kings that come in a row. Now, part of the reason that this happened was Jehoram married Ahab and Jezebel's daughter. He was king of the other nation, Israel, Ahab was, and they were just flat out evil. And his, daughter, his wife, Jezebel, well, you've heard the phrase, you know, Jezebel, and often not used in a positive context. There's reason in the Bible she was a very evil lady. But if you think she was evil, her daughter, Athaliah, was twice as evil. Because what happened was uh, after Jehoram, the king, dies, and he dies because God brought judgment upon him. He was an evil king, and so God literally brought a disease into his life, and it says when he was old, his intestines came out. Now, I don't know what that is, but that did not sound very pleasant to me. So God brought judgment on Jehoram, and then his son takes over, and then as his son takes over, he does even more evil. Look at, um, let's see, 2 Chronicles. We're going to be in 2 Chronicles today, by the way. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Chronicles, the Old Testament, and you can follow along with us. There's a Bible in front of you as well, uh, and the words will be on the screen. But this is what it says in 
2 Chronicles 22, 3 and 4. It says, Ahaziah also followed the evil example of King Ahab's family. For his mother, which is Athaliah, encouraged him in doing wrong. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as Ahab's family had done, They even became his advisors after the death of his father, and they led him to ruin. So Ahaziah is an evil king, doing evil things. And then Ahaziah is killed uh, in battle. Basically, he's chased down by a man named Jehu, and he kills him. And then what happens is Athaliah takes over. This is the mom. This is the, the mother of Athaliah, the daughter of Jezebel and Ahab. Well, she's so evil that what she does is she kills anybody that would be a threat to her being the queen. She kills her own children. She kills any boys that are around that might have a chance to be the king. She kills them all except one. His name was Joash. And it was uh, the the husband-wife teams of Jehoshaphat and Jehoiakim that rescue Joash hide him in the temple for six years until it's time for him to be king. So that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the story of courage today and how we too can be courageous in our lives as we walk with Christ. Let's go Lord in prayer and invite God to just speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, I know that in this room today, there's plenty of us that struggle with staying focused. I know I do. And I know, Lord, that there's plenty of things to think about. The texts that keep buzzing when we're sitting here, the, uh, the Snapchats, the Instagrams, the lunch, the food. Even as I'm saying that, people are getting hungry. And so, God, there's so much that we can be distracted by. So I'm asking for a supernatural favor this morning. I pray that you'd like put a hedge of angels around this building and that your Holy Spirit would just whisper into each one of us what you want us to hear. Speak clearly, God, that we might be nudged by you, be bold like you, courageous for you, and that our city, our state, our nation, and our world might be greatly affected as we're obedient to whatever you tell us to do. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you got your listening guide, go ahead and pull that out. Uh, I'll fill that out for you. You can take it home. You can fill it out on your app if you want to fill it out on the app. Just a way to help you remember a little bit more of what the message is about, especially when you got all these names, Jehoiada, Jehoshaba, all those names. It's kind of hard to keep them straight. Even for me, I, first service, I got them all tongue-tangled, and everybody had a good laugh. So... 2 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 10 through 12, uh, says, When Athaliah, the mother of King Ahaziah of Judah, learned that her son was dead, she began to destroy the rest of Judah's royal family. But Ahaziah's sister, Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jehoram, took Ahaziah's infant son, Joash, and stole him away from among the rest of the king's children who were about to be killed. She put Joash and his nurse in a bedroom. In this way, Jehoshaphat, wife of Jehoiada, the priest, and sister of Ahaziah, hid the child so that Athaliah could not murder him. Joash remained hidden in the temple of God for six years 
while Athaliah ruled the land. So the first thing we need if we're going to stand up against evil is we got to be courageous. That's the first thing on there. We must be courageous because you don't bring about change against evil by sitting in the background doing nothing. You have to be courageous and take action. Now, what's pretty amazing here is that the lady that does take action is actually the aunt of Joash. That she actually is the one that rescues the child and protects him from the evil queen that's there. And as she does that, she has nothing to gain because she has no rights to the throne more than her mom, who's the queen. She has no rights to uh, the actually stepmom. She has no rights to the throne. So she's not in danger of being killed if she just stays quiet. She could be a princess, live a princess's life, take it easy, and just finish her time out, raising her kids as she might want to do. But instead, she gets involved. Isn't that, isn't that phrase kind of tricky? Getting involved. You see somebody in need, do you meet the need? Or you just go, somebody else will help. Somebody else will be along soon enough. They're, they'll be better equipped to help than me. They'll, they'll be able to do that a better job than I will. And, and we, we just want to kind of not get involved. But thankfully, she chose to get involved. She chose to step into the situation, rescue the child, hide the child away, and then her husband partnered with her to hide the child for six years in the temple. Now, recognize that if any time they would have discovered that that child was there, you know that the evil queen would have come in and swooped in and just killed them all. Would not have hesitated to have killed not just her and her husband, but if she had children of her own. But they were willing to have courage to stand against evil. And that's what we need in our day to day. There's a lot of evil all around. A lot of people going in directions that are far from from love, kindness, grace, mercy, forgiveness. A lot of folks going different directions than what God teaches. And we need to have the courage to stand up and live differently, to reject the lies of the enemy, to protect the innocent ones, and to choose to be that person that although nobody thousands of years later have ever heard their name to raise their hand at the River Church, they had the courage to do what was right. And you may think you want to be that person that everybody knows the name and you get the recognition. Listen, most heroes get martyred or forgotten. But they're the backbone behind courageous change in a nation. Now, this courage, what is it? Uh, I read a quote by Nelson Mandela who was imprisoned in South Africa for opposing an evil regime. He was then raised into power of the presidency of South Africa and spoke a lot of wisdom. His statement was that courage isn't the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. If you expect to do something courageous for God without being afraid of some point, of something that goes on, you're mistaken. To do something courageous for God, to do something courageous against evil, it will test you. 
It will try you. You will think to yourself, is this really a good idea to put my career on the line to speak against this evil? Why won't somebody else speak against it? Why doesn't somebody else stand up and say, hey, there's abuse going on? I know other people see it more than I do. I know other people see the, the brokenness of the system. Why won't someone speak against it? Courage. And I, I got to tell you, the second point is so true. If you're going to have this courage, you must risk difficulty and embrace sacrifice. When you stick your neck out there, guess who's going to get chopped off? Yours. When you stick your neck out there to oppose evil, Satan's not going to come after the person who's laying back doing nothing. He's going to come after you. I tell every church planner, I said, just know you're walking around with a bullseye on your head because the devil wants to, to take you out of the game because if he can take you out of the game, then all the people that are following you will also struggle and possibly walk away. And it's not just church planners. It's, it's anybody that's serving God. Anybody that, if you profess to being a follower of Jesus in your workplace, guess what? You, you have put yourself in a spot where the enemy wants to pull you down. If you've shown courage against evil, guess what? People will want to destroy you if they are wanting evil to flourish. And so there's a risk. I think about when we, when we started the church, my wife, my wife took a risk. On the dream of what we felt like God gave us, she moved here eight months pregnant with two kids, three and under, and then moved in with her mother-in-law as a place to live. I was like, man, that's a risk. Brian Vaughn moved his family. His wife had just given birth. Moved down from both of them having full-time jobs, him and his wife, to coming down here, living in a church parsonage, and getting part-time jobs just so he could be on staff and help the church move forward. I think of Steve Chapman, who, when they came on board, he had a full-time job as a pastor, as a leader, and felt like God called him to be a family pastor and, and had to raise his own support to come on staff. And then I think of Jill and David Horner, who helped us start the church. And they risked uh, the business that they ran to try something new, something different, something that many people, when we first started the church, said was a cult. We met in a school. We, we did these things called home Bible study groups. We did all these unusual things. We said you could just wear your jeans. And at that time, a lot of those things were just way far out there. And they were willing to, to risk their reputation for the call to Christ. And then oftentimes we just think of people like that. But then there's folks like Chris Cranigan, who Chris was on staff with us felt led to be on staff with us, but then after several years, felt like God began to call him to go back into the world and be a sheriff and join the sheriff's department and knew that that's where God led him. He took that leap of faith. He took that risk. What if it doesn't work? What if, what if it doesn't pan out? There are so many of you in this room today, you have taken risks for God. Think of my brother, Michael Kilgore, who had his job that was doing just great. God called him to go to Lighthouse Christian Camp and pour his lives into kids from the inner city and spend his whole year praying for and asking God for men and women to come and mentor these kids and pour into these kids and, and provide so the kids could all come to camp for free. 
I'm guessing everybody in this room at some point, if you're a follower of Jesus, that had one of those crisis of faith moments where the Lord nudged you to do something and you weren't sure, but then you did. And then you got to see the result. But I'm also confident that in this room today, the Lord has nudged a lot of us to do things. And we said no. Out of fear, we backed up and said, not right now. Out of busyness, we said, Lord, ask somebody else. Out of doubt, we said, Lord, maybe I'm not smart enough. And we backed further and further away. And what I find in those seasons of my life when, when the Lord called me to do something courageous and I paused or I put him on hold or I backed off, what seemed to always happen is my fire, my connectivity, my passion, my love and joy in my face begin to kind of just take a little bit less, a little bit less excitement, a little bit less fire. And so I want to challenge you today. What area of your life do you need to be courageous? What is it that the Lord's speaking to you about this morning? In 2 Chronicles 23, uh, verses 1 through 3, we see the risk that these guys took. It says, in the seventh year of Athaliah's reign, Jehoiada, the priest, decided to act. Okay, so he waited six years for the right time. He summoned his courage and made a pact with five army commanders. Azariah, son of Jehoram, Ishmael, son of Jehoshaphanan. I got to have courage just to say these names in front of public, I'm just saying. Azariah, son of Obed, Maisa, son of Adiah, and Elisha, Aphat, son of Zikri. These men traveled secretly throughout Judah and summoned the Levites and clan leaders in all the towns to come to Jerusalem. They all gathered at the temple of God where they made a solemn pact with Joash, the young king. Jehoiada said to them, here is the king's son. The time has come for him to reign. The Lord has promised that a descendant of David will be our king. Then Jehoiada and his sons brought out Joash, the king's son. This is verse 11. The king's son placed a crown on his head and presented him with a copy of God's law. They anointed him and proclaimed him king, and everyone shouted, long live the king. So from no one having courage to everyone having courage, it's amazing what happens when a person will stand up against evil. Some of you are old enough to remember Tiananmen Square. Some of you remember the picture. How many of you remember the picture of the one man standing in front of the tank? About a third. You need to research that. As the Chinese government was going to go in and squelch the rebellion, they had to bring these tanks across the bridge and there was one man that literally stood in front of a tank and was ready to be run over for the sake of the cause of freedom. And because of that, that tank driver would not run over someone that was innocent. It got to his conscience and he stopped. And it protected thousands from being killed. It takes one person. God gives us the courage. It's not going to come on your own. The closer you get to God and the more you realize how big he is, 
the more he gives you the courage to do what's right. It's not the absence of fear. When Christ was faced with the cross, he knew it was coming. And he called his disciples around him and said, guys, come pray with me. I am so weighted down. And he cried out to the Lord. He begged the Lord, Lord, if there's any other way, if there's any other way for people to find forgiveness and grace, Lord, if there's any other way, I, I pick that one. He said, but not my will, but yours be done. That's courage. Courage is when you, you yourself don't want to move forward, but you choose to move forward because you know it's what God's calling you to do. Well, there's some people that had courage this, this last week. I uh, got to meet, meet them. Uh, Kentucky, if you don't know, Kentucky had a flood. And it affected 14 counties. Now, for those of us that were here in the tornado, it was horrible. And it affected Putnam County primarily. This flood affected 14 counties. And the devastation was everywhere. I've got some pictures because we were able to run up there. Uh, this is just some of the debris. This is at the camp that we stayed at, Camp Nathaniel. And then keep going. And this is just a... Fire trucks that got washed away. It's, it was unreal how that water went up over 30 feet just to wash everything down. I took that picture because as a kid, I had one of those little drums. And there were a lot of kids that were lost in the, in the flood. 37 so far, total victims. Uh, this was a, a trailer that was just washed down from somewhere. This was the, the camp, how the debris just went right over the the fence, and it was, it was just everywhere, slung everywhere. And yet this camp, Camp Nathaniel, what they do is they have kids from the whole Kentucky Appalachian area come, just like Lighthouse Christian does in this area, and they all memorize Bible verses so they can come for free. Been doing it over 80 years. And they house all these kids that come every year for free. And yet what impressed me was their goal when I met with them wasn't to get their camp up and running. They were trying to feed and clothe and provide for the people around them. Some of the children that did not survive were found at the camp. They rescued a lady who'd been in the, a tree for five hours with the water rushing. They were able to rescue her. Talk about courage. One of the stories that came out of it was a son whose mother had had a hip replacement. And she was in a wheelchair at a house by herself when the floods came. And he didn't know what to do. They couldn't get to her. The, the floods were so high. So he borrowed a, a kayak and kayaked to this lady's house. Loaded his mom, who just had hip surgery, in the back of the kayak and said it was up to her shoulders when he got to her and the house was, was destroyed. Courage. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. They're doing the right thing. And we, we got a chance to take two teams. Uh, Steve led the way uh, the first week with Middle Tennessee Disaster Relief. And then we took a team of uh, adults and teenagers and went. And I don't know if my wife's spraying aid there or actually cleaning. I'm not sure. That's pretty interesting. That's pretty mean. Got to be mean to do stuff like that. Okay. Anyway, they're providing food, dog food, uh, keep going, just keep moving. 
Uh, Lee was fixing the washers. All their washers were completely submerged. And so the, this room here was two and a half, three feet high, all the way in mud. And they had to clean it out. And they were scrubbing the walls and getting it done. And that's, that's part of the team. Some had to leave early. Uh, Steve Kincaid, like I said, had come earlier, the Campbells. And then, of course, uh, I asked him, you know, I've got a lot of experience in preaching and pastoring and thought, you know, what, what important job would they have me do? And they, there I am, yep. <laughs> they saw my skill set right away and knew where to put me. So uh, I was cutting grass a big part of the time trying to help them catch up because they'd been serving everybody around them and the grass was getting too high. I, I want to challenge you to, to risk. I want to challenge you to risk taking time to go serve either here or somewhere else. A lot of folks, listen, your, your faith gets stale. You know why? Because you do the same thing you do every day, every day, every day, every day. Mix it up a little bit. You see a need, meet a need. Maybe it's a little bit awkward sometimes. You see somebody struggling to pay the money at Walmart or the grocery store and scrambling in their purse, just walk up and go, hey, can I pay for that? So you need, meet a need. Mix it up a little bit. You got somebody you know that's struggling because of a loss of job or somebody, just go buy a bunch of groceries and, and take it over and drop it off and just say, Jesus loves you. Blow their mind. It's fun sometimes. If you haven't been on a trip lately, I want to encourage you. We're going to keep taking some trips up there. They got a long way to go. The camp's got probably over a million dollars worth of damage. Multiple cabins just washed away. And uh, we're going to keep taking trips. Because you gave last week, because of uh, disaster relief giving that you've done throughout the year, we were able to hand them over $5,000 just for whatever they needed. And I want to challenge you today in generosity. I want to challenge you to, to, to donate some Benjamins, not, not Washington. I like Washington, but when it comes to green stuff, I like Benjamins. I want to challenge you to, to donate some Benjamins to help this camp out. You can just put it in your envelope, put on their flood or disaster relief, and just donate something that you can. Some of you may want to donate 100000 500000 whatever it is. I'm going to talk to my wife about, you know, one of those numbers. <laughs> the five and the one. Whatever we can afford. But I do, I want to challenge you. Listen, do something this week that's courageous. Ask God. Start your morning each morning saying, Lord, show me something you would like me to do for you this week. Show me something at work. Now, I'm going to tell you, he may mess with you because it may be exactly what you're not wanting. He may say, go be reconciled to your brother that you hadn't talked to in seven years. He may say, hey, go and uh, knock on the door across the street and invite him to church and say, well, I've been planning on it. Just, they just moved in 21 years ago. I'm going to get around to it, right? You pray and ask God, God, what do I need to do? What's my part? And when you step out with courage and you do that, you'll see your faith grow. You'll see the joy grow. But third thing, be bold, go public. Don't just keep your faith to yourself. We need more people to be bold and go public. Second Chronicles 23, 16 to 21 says this, then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself and the king and the people that they would be the Lord's people. And all the people went over the temple of Baal and tore it down. They demolished the altars and smashed the idols and they killed Matin, the priest of Baal, in front of the altar. So they cleared it up. 
They went bold. They went public. They had kept the child for six years. It was time. How they had that much patience, I don't know, but they did. And now it's time for them to do what's right. They gathered leaders. Again, at any time, if the queen had found out, she would have killed them all, right? So now it's not just two people being bold and courageous. Now it's all these other leaders being bold and courageous with them. And that's what I would tell you. Courage spreads. Everybody's waiting for the tip of the spear. That person who's willing to stand there and say, not not on my watch. I am here for the things of God. I I am not going to let you teach that to my children. I'm not going to let you teach that to my family. I'm not going to let you spread those lies about God. I'm not. They're all waiting for somebody to step up and be that first person. But I will tell you, if you'll step up, others will come around you. When you are bold, and you're bold for the right reason. Remember, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So you need to memorize those so every time you, you want to be bold for God, you keep that in mind and make sure that you're bold in a respectful, honoring, righteous way. Well, talk about bold. Abby Johnson. Abby Johnson is a name that someone who's bold. I personally just wish I could have been here during the time of Roe v. Wade being overturned and celebrate with you guys. What a miracle, praying for that for over 50 years that God would, yeah, I'll celebrate that. I'll celebrate that. Amen. (laughs) Have to admit, kind of got to the point that I thought it may never happen. And when it did happen, I just celebrated extremely a large amount. I, I think Abby Johnson was one of the reasons that sentiment in our country changed. She was a, a clinic director at a Planned Parenthood, and it was doing an excellent job as far as her bosses were concerned until something messed her up. She watched an abortion of a late-term baby, and she saw the, the image of the baby pulling away from the pain pulling away from the instruments of death. She had bought the lie that the children felt no pain, that abortion didn't hurt anybody. And then upon realizing that, not only did she quit, but she began campaigning against it and had a lot of people come against her. And they made a movie. If you haven't seen this movie, it's called Unplanned. It's a hard movie to watch, but it's a movie you should watch. For all the movies we have watched that meant absolutely nothing to our mind and our spirit, it's a movie that means something. And so I want to encourage you, Unplanned. It's the life story of Abby Johnson. And yet, we've got to have courage now because the work is just beginning. For those of us who wanted to see abortion ended, that means we've got to double down on adoption. It means we've got to make sure we're choosing to adopt, to foster. It means we've got to choose to support the Cookville Pregnancy Clinic and support young moms that choose to keep their child. We've got to choose to mentor those young ladies and the young fathers 
We've got to make a choice that we're not just going to vote at the voting booth, but we're going to love with our hands, our feet, and our pocketbooks. And as followers of Christ, it's just one more area that we can choose to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a difficult situation. Well, last thing, four, lead others to do the same. Lead others to do the same. Now, Jesus knew it was going to be hard, and Jesus was leading his disciples to do the same. And so if you can, turn with me to Luke 12. Luke 12, verse 8. Luke 12, 8, Jesus is warning his followers that it wasn't going to be easy. It says, I tell you the truth. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied before God's angels. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when you're brought to trial, not if, but when, and when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time, what needs to be said. Jesus was leading his followers to have boldness. And here's what I'll tell you. If God's nudging you to do something, you won't have all the answers. You won't be fully equipped. You won't know exactly what to say. You, you'll say, well, Lord, why don't you pick Pastor Steve? He's been doing this longer than me. Why don't you call him and tell him to do this? Because you're going to be better at it than I would be. If God is speaking to your heart to be courageous about something and you pursue that, you are the best person to pursue that. That's why he called you to it. God's not always looking for the people that are trained and equipped. He's looking for the people that are saying, yes, Lord. People that are willing to be his hands and his feet and yes, his voice in our community. And so as we lead, we need to lead others in the same manner, leading them to the hope of Christ. Second Chronicles 24, 1 and 2 says, Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 40 years. His mother was Zebiah from Beersheba. Josiah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight throughout the lifetime of Jehoiada, the priest. We need more Jehoiadas. We need more men and women who will mentor those who are younger and help them walk with Christ. I want to say thank you to everybody that if you volunteered at Windshape, I just want to say thank you. We had 300 kids here Monday through Friday from 7.30 to 5. It was an amazing time. And if you volunteered for the Collision Student Ministry, thank you for volunteering week after week. Thank you if you went on the mission trip with them. Thank you if you did Camp Cookville. Thank you. If you volunteer with the College Ministry, thank you. If you're volunteering with this International Student Ministry, thank you. If you're volunteering in any way, listen, as you're making that difference, thank you. If you're a small group leader, you're influenced in those lives, do not shortchange what an impact you are doing. And I just want to challenge you. 
this week, ask the Lord, what is it he wants you to do? And put your yes on the table. Will you pray with me on that? Will you pray and ask God, God, what do you want me to be doing? And put your yes on the table. It may have almost nothing to do with what I've talked about today. It could be something as getting a job or quitting a job. Praying for somebody and them never even knowing it. Taking a gift, visiting somebody at the hospital. I don't know what he's going to tell you to do. But I say, when he does and you say yes, it's fun. I got to go on the trip this weekend, just two days, but man, it was just a rich time. Being around those folks, listening to their stories, getting to hug and pray for somebody that's lost everything and just hold them while they weep and just hear them say, thank you. And all they walk away with is a meal and a thing of toilet paper and paper towels, and they're just so uplifted. It wasn't because of stuff. It was because someone was there to love them. So what is it the Lord's going to call you? If, if you want to be a part of helping with this flood and just find out more about it, put the word flood on your card today or send in a text or an email. If you want to give to the work, put disaster relief on your envelope and we'll send it all to them. 100% of what you give to disaster relief 